Just bless the Lord. 
could never be as close to me. I'm not afraid to face the problems of tomorrow. No, we knew our everything. Consume me, Lord, with the fire of your Spirit. Consume me, Lord, and just make me more like you. Oh, just
just continue to play that softly, Brother Matt. We just have a couple prayer requests. We'll go ahead and change the order of our service here. And as I uh, finish reading these, if I could just ask Brother Ethan to come up and pray over these prayer requests. Uh, like I said, we just have a couple here. Uh, some families uh, have had COVID spring back up. And so we just want to remember them. They're at home, uh, just recovering and uh, just resting. We also just want to continue to remember uh, Sister Mary Smith as well. And I know that there are other families as well, not just in our church, um, but uh, in other churches as well that uh, unfortunately have had COVID pop up. So we just want to remember them as well. And I know we all have uh, unspoken prayer requests as well, whether it be you know, work, personal, financial. We, we all have them. And uh, we know a God, though, that can touch that need right now. So. If I could have Brother Ethan go ahead and come on up here and we'll uh, take these needs to the Lord. Let's all pray. Dear Lord, we come to you this evening, Lord. We've come here expecting to hear from you, Lord, to draw a little closer to you, or just anoint the minister as he comes. Just uh, touch every heart that's here, Lord. And uh, Lord, we just ask you to touch every need that's been placed here. The ones that's sick, the ones that's not able to come, we just ask you to go to them and touch them, Lord. Just bless the service in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You may have your seats. Let's sing that song, um, I don't have any specials. Let's sing the song, uh, I'll Say Yes, Lord Yes. So I'll say yes, Lord, yes, to your will and to your way. Oh, I'll say yes, Lord, yes, and I will trust you and obey when your spirit speaks to me. With my whole heart I'll agree, and my answer will be yes, Lord, yes. And I'll say yes, Lord, yes, to your will and to your way. I'll say yes, Lord, yes, I will trust you and obey. With your spirit speaks to me, with my whole heart I'll agree, and my answer will be yes, oh Lord, yes. Oh, I'll say yes, Lord, yes, to your will and to your way, oh, I'll say yes, Lord, yes, I will trust your spirit speaks to me with my whole heart I'll agree and my answer will be yes Lord yes Amen Let's sing the song Who I Am Lord Who I Am Be flat So who I am, Lord, who I am. 
Oh. 
go ahead and come forward at this time for our tithes and offering if you would just continue to play that softly Amen Brother Tom if you would just pray just sing this as Brother Barry comes this evening. The blood that Jesus shed for me on our way back on Calvary the blood that gives me strength Blood that gives me strength. 
from day to day it will never lose its power oh now it soothes my doubts and it calms my listening in my office, I thought, i got to get out there and see who all those people are, just because it sounds so nice. We welcome all of you this evening here, and uh, I'd like you to bring up my PowerPoint there, if you don't mind, uh, M, and uh, just wanted to give you a prayer request here so you can put a face with a name. And uh, this is Brother Tim Ashon, and Brother Tim is in town. Uh, he's not here tonight, but he is in uh, North Carolina and uh, waiting to see a specialist. And so I told him that we would be remembering him in prayer uh, today and trusting that the Lord will undertake for him and take care of the uh, needs that he has. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, as we bow in your presence tonight, Lord, it's always a blessing and a privilege, Lord, to be able to gather together in your name. Lord, to be able to lay everything so far in this week, lay it down and just clear our minds, Lord, and just allow your presence, Lord, just to affect us and to stop us, Lord, from the busyness of this life. And just, Lord, to study your word just for a little while 
And as we have often said, it's like an oasis in the desert, a time and a place where everyone lays down their sword and everybody can be refreshed. And Father, I pray tonight that you would do that among us and that you would speak to our hearts, Lord. I pray that you would heal the sick and those that are needy, Lord. And there are many in our assembly who are dealing with symptoms, Lord, of viruses, and we curse them all in the name of Jesus Christ and pray that these individuals, Lord, would have just a real touch tonight, that, Lord, they might be strengthened and back on their feet again. We pray, dear God, for Brother Tim and ask you, Lord Jesus, just to minister to him. And we pray also, Lord, for Sister Becky's dad, Brother Fulcher. Pray that you would just be merciful to him, Lord, in this time of uh, weakness, Lord, for him. And we pray now in the name of Jesus Christ that you would just do that part that only you can do, Lord. Thanking you for doctors and medicines, Lord, but there's a part that you play that nobody else can take your place. And so, Lord Jesus, we commit these needs serious, the minor issues, Lord, we commit them all to you. And there are many, Lord, that are seeking wisdom. They're seeking direction. Lord, some are dealing with job situations and important decisions that affect their family. And, Lord, we pray now that you would be their guide. You know all about it. You know the future, Lord, and that's the part we don't know. So the best thing we can do is commit it in your hands. Have your way now, we pray in the name of Jesus. Bless this service. And, Father, we'll give you glory and honor and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Sing that chorus again. sounded so nice. standing let's take your bibles if you will let's go to revelation chapter 10 and i'd like to read a little portion there uh, for our beginning revelation chapter 10 these are familiar little passages of scripture but uh, important ones nonetheless revelation chapter 10 verse 1 And I saw another mighty angel come down from heaven, clothed with a cloud. How many know that was Christ? You've got to know that's Christ. That's not any human being. That's Christ. So let me ask again. How many know that's Christ? And a rainbow was upon his head, and his face was as it were the sun, and his feet as pillars of fire. And he had in his hand a little book open, and he set his right foot upon the sea and his left foot on the earth. May God add the blessing to the reading of his word. You may be seated this evening. Now, just before we jump in and begin, I wanted to make a couple of quick comments here. Uh, This is the first sample that I had uh, for uh, the single sermons that are going over to Zambia. And this is 17 different sermons uh, that they have now printed in these booklets and they're uh, being finished now and then going on the on the boat 
pretty soon and over to Zambia. They're very, very excited. I only, they have only seen this picture, like you, but they're very excited about that because they know that, uh, what's on the way. The other thing that's happening for Zambia is that there's a group uh, of our uh, brothers who left from Malawi in the big truck, and they filled it up with materials for uh, people in Zambia, and they're having a minister's meeting across the border. Uh, so that they're going to be able to distribute all of this material over there. And uh, it's, it's really amazing because the more that they distribute, the more phone calls they get. And they say, how come we didn't get some? And how come we didn't get some? And can you send more? We're already out. And um, it's amazing. Before we actually print these, they're asking for reprints. Uh, that's how fast they go, and they're promised out there. So uh, we, just, we just are excited to be a part of that and to be able to help. Uh, just a reminder here about the men's meeting. Uh, for those of you that did not get the link, uh, if you did not get the link and you want to sign up, you can certainly let me know, and we'll make sure that you get the link. This is just for HBT. This week, Sunday, it will open up for the regular price. The, the magic link will go away. Uh, the magic link being the reduced price link uh, will go away. Don't assume if you're under 18 that it's an automatic in. Uh, let me know if you're under 18 and you want to go. And uh, all the information is there on mensmeeting.org. And we're actually populating the site now with all the previous or as many as we can find the previous men's meetings over the years, which is a real uh, blessing to be able to listen to. So all the information, all the answers are there. If you're listening tonight by streaming, uh, you can go there Sunday, and that link will be open for anybody to sign up. We do have a limited amount of space this year because of changes that the site, the, uh, the facility, gave to us. So... Uh, we're, we're unable to uh, accommodate as many as what we would like, but it's first come, first serve, obviously. wanted to say it's nice to have the Wheatons with us. Uh, they've been here now a while, and uh, great to have them and be able to spend some time with them. And uh, I just wanted to also ask you to remember Sister Becky and her father. Her father has had a, a bit of a rough couple of days and uh, in his situation without a whole lot of reserve, it gets a little bit more serious, and so uh, breathing's a problem, and uh, if you don't mind remembering him in prayer, that would be uh, really great, and um, just we always always are praying that God will give us wisdom in knowing what to do and, and uh, how to uh, care best for him and so forth in, her, in the, his situation, and uh, that uh, keeps Sister Becky uh, on her toes for sure. Let me give you a little statement that I gave you last week, um, and this is uh, going into our subject here, and we were talking about the earth and, and the new earth, uh, because the, we find ourselves in this breach between the earth that we live in and life as we know it, which by all accounts and by all prophecy will end. It will soon end. It'll end, I believe, for many people without death. Some people, if we live long enough, will go by way of the grave. But many of us who are listening tonight will probably be around when life on this earth, as we know it, will end. And then we will travel to a, another earth, and it will be the earth that we are meant to live in, the kingdom we're meant to live in. And so this transition or this breach between this life and that life is what we're talking about, what we're focusing on here and Brother Branham highlights that and teaches about that, especially in the seven seals. Okay, and that's where he, uh, he really begins to focus on, on things like that. 
and uh, begins to, to recognize how God has opened up a way. He's opened up a passage, if you like, a doorway between this kingdom and that kingdom. And then eventually we are ushered through that, uh, through that door into that kingdom. And so this, this little series that I've been doing, I've been uh, thinking about contemplating on this whole idea of uh, this, this world as we are finishing up in it and then proceeding into that world over there. Now, I, I believe that that transition is not going to change you. If you're predestinated here, you're going to be predestinated there. If you love God here, you're going to love him there. If you don't love God here, you're not going to love him over there. Just being there is not going to change your love. It's going to change your address. That's all. And so the, the people of God have a longing for and a drawing to that kingdom. And that's why we talk about it. That's why we teach about it. That's why we get excited about it. Because we believe something or other tells us, even though lots of people of other ages felt they were at the end of things, starting from the end of the dark ages, there's lots of statements by believers suggesting that we're at the end, we're going to cross over, we're leaving here soon. Uh, there is a, a difference with us because a prophet came. And remember, prophets orient us on the timeline. Isn't that right? They say to us, you're here. And Brother Branham taught us, he said, thus saith the Lord, we're at the end time. And so being at the end time means that we're living in the season where this is actually going to happen. And we're going to transition from this life to that life. Do you believe that? Some of us are going to walk from this world to that world. And so this, uh, this earth as we know it will change and we shall be uh, taken into his kingdom and there we will live forever. Once you're there, you're no, there's no going back, right? Once you're there, there's no more sorrow, no more toil, no more tears. None of that will exist in that kingdom over there. When you get over there in that new body, that's it. That's all the journey you're going to have to take. You're going to, you're going to be rewarded with eternity unfolding for the rest of, for the rest of whatever. Because we can't say it's the rest of time because time doesn't even exist in, in eternity, right? So, the, the, the interesting thing, and if you like the tragic thing, is that as we leave this world, it falls apart and gets worse and worse with every passing day. And even though that does not directly affect us, we live in a world where all of that negativity, it, it increases and it abounds. And so uh, we hear about it, we see it, we see the unrest, and we see the uh, confusion, we see the chaos. I, I don't know why I was thinking about this the other day, but I was thinking if... Um, you know, so many people live in big cities. And Brother Branham, I was thinking about the, the, the scripture that says that uh, in the days before the flood, the earth was filled with violence. And, you know, with the assassination of the Japanese prime minister and all the other things that have gone on in the world, and I was thinking about how, you know, like it's not just isolated to the United States, but, uh, I mean, there's, there's just violence everywhere, everywhere in the world. And I was thinking that if if the Spirit of God lifts off the world like... We know it is, and Brother Aaron described last Wednesday night, if the Spirit of God is lifting off the world and so many people live in cities, imagine, uh, you know, if you had, if we ran out of food or we ran out of power, or we ran out of, uh, you know, essential items like that. What a different world it would be in a very short period of time. What a very different world it would be. 
Most people rely upon their banking system and, uh, you know, the, the neighborhood, uh, the neighborhood shops and everything else. And you can imagine what it would be like. I mean, it's really hard to imagine. I don't know why I was thinking of that, but I was thinking in the end time, this is, this is going to, uh, be more and more of a squeeze all the time. Not that we're going to remain here, but there'll be more and more of a, a collapse that will be visible. Brother Branham makes this statement, and I've, I've followed this over the last couple of weeks here, and he said the world in its wild, pandemonic condition has got completely out of control of every man-made organization in the world. This is 1957, he says this. And kings cannot hold their subjects anymore. Dictators can't hold their subjects anymore. Democracy can't hold their subjects anymore. And he said there's no hope left but the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I was thinking, I just did a very quick search, just three screens here. This is Sri Lanka yesterday. And the people of the, uh, of the country just marched on the capital and the prime minister's house and, and kicked them out. And here they are in, in the house of the leadership. And uh, they didn't have anybody to put in place. They're just so frustrated with the current leadership. Uh, this is the way it looked yesterday. This is January 6, 2021. Democracy can't even hold the people. This is Hong Kong, uh, two days ago. And the government froze assets. People had money in the bank, froze the assets of the people there. Uh, I mean, it was, it's just, uh, uh, an absolute, uh, revolt. There's anarchy there in, in the streets because they're, uh, the people are, are saying, well, we have nothing. We all live in a high rise and we have nothing, uh, to spend and nowhere to go. They're, uh, very much locked down and they really can't get out anywhere at all. And, uh, I mean, it's just, you know, to be living in a, in a situation like that, kind of hard for us to imagine what it would be like. And so as I put up last uh, couple of Wednesday nights ago, uh, where do we go from here? Well, here's, the, here's the, the interesting thing. And I was following this along as well. Uh, Lucas gave me this uh, screen here. Lucas not here tonight, not, still not feeling well. And uh, this is a, a graph that uh, the, the pollster people have kept since the World War II era. And uh, they've remarked gradually, gradually, until recently, uh, about people's belief in God. And they say there's less and less people now uh, who, believe in, who, who believe in God uh, all the time. And then I followed this through, and I found this interesting. Four in ten say that this is the same resource now as Gallup here that had that previous graph. They asked a follow-up question. They asked, do you believe in God? And then they asked a follow-up question. And the question asked is whether God hears prayers and inter- intervenes when people pray. That's the question they ask. Does God hear your prayer and does God intervene when you pray? And the answer was about 42% of Americans uh, say that God hears prayers and can intervene on a person's behalf. 42%. Meanwhile, 28% of all Americans say that God hears prayers but does not intervene. And 11% think that God does neither. Bottom line, fewer Americans today than five years ago believe in God. So rapidly it's dropping. Over Since World War II, it's dropped just very gradually, but now it's dropping gra- uh, more drastically. And the percentage is down even more than the 50s and 60s. And the vast majority of Americans say they believe in God. Watch this. They say they believe in God, whether that means they believe a higher power hears prayers and intervenes or not. And while belief in God has declined, documents, uh, Gallup documents steeper drops in church attendance, church membership, and confidence in religion, suggesting that the practice of religious faith 
maybe changing more than their basic faith in God. In other words, a lot of people say, yeah, oh yeah, we believe in God. Do you go to church? No. Do you read your Bible? No. Uh, do you have confidence in the church to, to legion? No. Uh, are you a member? No, not really. I go when I want. Or I have an app. That's what people actually answer. I have an app. So less and less people feel like they need to go to church. Less and less people feel like they need to do anything about their faith. In other words, they view God as somebody in reserve who will call upon when we need him. That's the idea. We believe that God exists. And the majority, 82% believe that God exists. Whether he can do much or not, that's debatable. But you know what? When we really get in a pinch, then we'll call on him. But until then, we'll carry on with life as it is. And that's the current state of thinking. What a terrible state to be in. I believe, I believe with all my heart, that uh, a person can have a living, dynamic relationship with Jesus Christ, not only when things go sour, not only when the emergency arises, but every day of your life you can talk to God. Prophet came along and said you can make an appointment with God and talk to Him anytime. I think that's a wonderful thing. He called it conferences. You can have conferences with God. There's the same information put on the line graph there. And you can see that these numbers are changing all the time and declining in terms of uh, whether people actually believe in God or whether they practice anything that they say they believe. Here's what's important, though. Remember, like I showed you, God, is, God exists. God is real. How many believe that? God has a place for every one of us. We are right. We're, if you're a member of the Bride of Christ, we want to be right in the center of God's will. And let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he, he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. And everybody said. And Romans 8 says, what shall we say then to these things if God be for us? Who can be against us? So no matter what happens in the world and no matter which way it goes... Let me tell you, God's got his eye on the bride of Christ. I believe that. God's got his eye on his people. Everybody say amen. amen. All right. So as, as the scripture tells us in Matthew chapter 24, that in that same hour when all of this decline happens, false prophets arise. Deception arises. And so therefore, it makes it necessary for us uh, to play our part in verse 14, which means that the gospel of, kingdom, of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. So we care about people outside of our four walls. We, keep, we care about people outside even of our own country. Isn't that right? I think we should care about believers in other parts of the world. I think we should care about people in Ukraine. I think we should care about people who have needs that are, uh, that are very great and, and very real in their lives. And, uh, that's, that's a part of, uh, that's a part of this whole, uh, segment here that Jesus gives us because he says, the, the love of many shall wax bold. And the only real love that's left, I believe, is among the bride of Christ. Because they, they really have the Spirit of Christ in them. And, uh, he that endures to the end, the same shall be saved. And then, uh, this gospel goes for a witness. Now, let me, uh, t- Tom, have, have we given out that sheet? Uh, could I have one? Uh, can, I borrow, can I borrow yours? I, I wrote this, but I don't have one. It's like not having the key to your own house. Now, <clears throat> this, just have it ready here. We're going to take a look at it. And Brother Brandon makes a statement in 1955. He said, now, that might bring up the question in your mind about Satan in the beginning. For someone asked me long ago, is Satan a creator? And Brother Branham says, no, sir. 
God is the only creator there is. This is really quite an important uh, statement or an important truth uh, that we need to understand, that the only creator is God. And therefore, you're left then to ask this question. That statement begs this question. How did evil ever get here then if Satan didn't create it? Why do we have evil in the world? And Brother Branham makes this answer and says evil is not a, not a creation. Satan cannot create, but he can pervert what is created. That helps us to understand a lot of stuff. Because we still are left with choices, right? Men are left with choices. And there are lots of things that happen in the world because men made choices. Uh, you know, we've gone to wars because people wanted, they chose to pursue more power or more control or bigger, uh, bigger area of, of influence in their, in their uh, kingdoms and so forth. But Brother Branham assures us he's not a creator. He said God is the creator, but Satan perverts what God has created. God created good and Satan perverted it to the evil. And it's just like any other thing. When it's perverted, it's wrong. So when Satan gets a hold of it, it becomes an evil thing. Now, let me, uh, let me, uh, refer to this little sheet here. And, uh, we were actually talking about this at home. I got my granddaughters at home and, uh, we were talking about this and we were, we were, uh, looking at observing the observing of the James Webb telescope and the, the first images that came, uh, into there. And, uh, I, I went back to this sermon here. This is Christ revealed in his own word. And so I clipped a little piece out of, uh, out of this. And uh, Brother Branham actually refers to this whole idea of seeing out in the, into outer space. And he makes several references to that. And, of course, a couple of weeks ago I talked about Einstein and what he knew and what he said in the lecture that Brother Branham attended there. And uh, Brother Branham is talking about scientists here and so forth. And he said uh, in that first paragraph, he said, Now, you couldn't get no accuracy in what, the doctors, uh, what doctors agree upon. You can't even get accuracy of them now. And you can't get accuracy in science now. And when the Bible says that he saw four angels standing on the four corners of the earth, uh, that that couldn't be. The earth was round. And the Bible said four corners. Well, you see, three or four weeks ago, there was an article that came out in the newspaper, and they were saying, well, now the earth is square. It was a field day for the Flat Earth uh, Society. And Brother Branham is saying this, and I want you to, this is just a little bit of a lead-in. I'm not going to read it all. You can take a look at it. And he says, they're going to find out someday that they're not seeing 150 million light years of space either, but they're going around in a circle. So when astronomers look out, they, we tend to think that they're looking straight out. But as they are able to look further and further, what they're actually doing is looking along a curve. And he says that because uh, he says, you're going to find out one of these days that when you go to heaven, you don't fly off somewhere else. You're still right here, just in another dimension that's faster than this. He said, right through this room is coming color. And every color, shirt, dress, whatever you have on, eternity, laying right on records, going round and round the world. He said, every time you bat your eyes, it's right on record. And television proves that. Television proves that there can be images in another dimension and they can, they can coexist with you, but you would never see them or perceive them until you have a machine that translates that image into something you can see, right? So that's why Brother Bram said television was here in the Garden of Eden. So that dimension existed. So there's another dimension that he refers to here. And Brother Bram talks about uh, in paragraph 64, when you're born, he says, God put a tape on or record on. 
And he starts, he said, a little baby starts saying things, and then he, he grows up and he begins to do things he has to answer for. And when life ends, that record is took off and laid in the great big library of God. And it's played right back in front of you, every move you made, every thought that went through your mind. Let me stop and ask you a question. How many of you are glad for the blood of Christ? Amen. You understand, if, if the blood of Christ, Christ is real, and you have passed through the blood of Christ, none of this is on record for anyone, including God, to ever see. I'm glad for the blood of Christ. Because I would not want to have my life and my thoughts and my words come back to me and have to stand there in the day of judgment. And all of it displayed, you have, no, you have nothing to say. And this is what Brother Branham's telling us here. Because it, it's not going anywhere. He said it's moving in a dimension that's still there. It's just that you can't see it, but God can. All right? So he's, he's describing this. And then he says, he gives a, a, an example here. And let me par- paraphrase uh, paragraph 65 just for a moment. Brother Branham has a man come up. He's, he's got a, a vision that's given to him by God about a man with a certain condition. But a man comes up who looks like the man in the vision. And Brother Branham looks at him and talks about him. And he says, but it wasn't him because he's got something different. He's got a different condition. And so Brother Branham prays for that man, and he goes on his way. And then he said the Spirit of God just moved on him, and he described this man and his condition as Brother Bram saw in the vision. And here he was behind a curtain. He was sitting behind a curtain. He was a man from Brother Bram's own church. He knew him. And he's sitting behind the curtain with his head between his hands, and uh, he's just laying there dying with a serious cancer. And his wife had said to him, why don't you go down and buy a new pair of shoes? And he said, no, I'm not even going to live long enough to wear the shoes, so don't bother. And Brother Branham was there on the platform, and he knew God had told him. But remember now, there's a veil between Brother Branham and this man, but he said the Spirit of God is never wrong. All right? That's why he's saying, even if you can't see it, doesn't mean that it's not real. It is real, even if you can't see it, because God sees it. And if God says it, it's going to come to pass. Right? It's going to happen just exactly the way that God says. Verse 66, he starts out and says, now notice there are not any error in Scripture at all. He says, <clears throat> we don't, might not have continuity among medics and doctors and scientists and so forth. Uh, but he said, uh, he said in verse 68, he said, that's the way the rapture is going to be. And he said, one of them will drop right down. This terrestrial body will take on a celestial body and we'll be transformed uh, in a moment of time, dropping right out of space. And we'll see all of this going on. And then he describes all the flying saucers in the Pentagon looking and seeing all these things there. He says, we're living in a day of investigative judgment, paragraph 69. We're living in that day. And then he says in the bottom paragraph there, why after a while the church, when it can stay in that place, every seed brought to its spot, then will be gone. After a while, the church, when it can stay in that place, stay in the place just like Abraham stayed in his place, Every seed brought to its spot, every seed is walking in the light. Because that's the right place for us, right? Walking in the presence of the Holy Spirit. He said, every seed brought to its spot, then they'll be gone. And they won't know what happened to them. One will be going one way, one will be going over to the pastor's house, and one will be going down here. And first thing you know, they're not here. For Enoch was the type, and God took him, for he was not. They've come down to investigate. Those angels come down to investigate and the continuity, how the Enoch translation, the type of Israel being carried over in the ark. So it'll happen one day, and even though we may not be able to see it, it's a reality. Even if it happens in another dimension, it's a reality because God's word says it. You understand the point now. 
So Brother Branham says they'll come that day, he says, when they'll realize that they're not looking around in a straight line, but he says they are actually, he says, looking along a curve. And uh, look, it's a circular. He says all time is a, is a circle. And so <clears throat> uh, Satan will, and I put this up here because Satan likes to uh, give a scientific perspective and make that perspective seem more truthful than God's word. Just like it was in the days of Noah, right? And they looked at, Brother Bam said they shot instruments in the sky and they did all kinds of tests. And science said it wouldn't happen. God's word said it would. And so you're faced with a choice. And that's why evil exists. And thank God we still have a choice. I'm glad I made the choice that I did. But Satan, no matter what God says, Satan is going to take whatever he says and pervert it, and it comes out wrong. Okay? Then, a number of years ago, I found this article in the Columbus Dispatch. And this guy, who was writing on astronomy, he said, and I clipped this article out and put it in my, <clears throat> put it in my sermon, right on that place where Brother Branham says one day they'll find out they're looking in a, uh, a circle. And he said in the first uh, line here, I'm sorry, it's small. For most of history of civilization, humans believed that the earth was the center of the universe. Well, that changed, right, as, as science, you know, began to get more information and so forth. And then right over on that third column over there, it says space itself is thus curved like along a balloon surface. And when we look anywhere, we are looking along that curve. That's what, that, that's what science testified. Exactly. The difference is this is, ni- is 1990-something. Brother Branham said the same thing in 1965. And so they, they acknowledge the fact that, uh, you know, it, it's, not, it's not just a straight line, but God created the universe so that everything comes back to itself. Well, you know, when you think about that, when you think about that, when we leave here, we're not leaving here and going in a straight line somewhere else. We'll actually wind up coming back on this earth because God created this earth for us to live on. It might, that might seem a little bit lofty, but it's true nonetheless because God never discards what he thinks and what he creates. He, he's a restorer and he'll bring it back again to its rightful place. So even though men fell, God's going to bring man right back to the right place. Isn't that right? Even though the world fell, it's going to go right back to the right place. What's it all waiting for? All creation is groaning and travailing for the sons of God to get it. When we get it, we're going to go back. Now, just for your information, I put this on this sheet. Because as I was looking up some things today, I never knew this was there. But let me ask you a question. I want to see a show of hands. Sorry for the humor here, just for a moment here, but we'll take a break and ask this question. How many of you believe that the egg was first or the chicken was first? How many of you believe the egg was first? It's all right. It's, it's, it's safe to answer this question, okay? Do you believe that the egg came first? Okay, thank you for your honesty. How many of you believe that the chicken came first? Wow. That's pretty good. Here's the answer. I got the answer. I found the answer today. And here's Brother Branham giving us the answer. Look on the, la- on the second page, on the second last quote. What think ye of Christ? He said, the old saying, which was first, the hen or the egg? You've heard that. He said, the hen had to come from the egg. Was the egg here first? 
And the egg couldn't be here without the hen. Well, he said, that's easy. God created the hen, and he laid the egg, and that's the way it started. God created the hen, he laid the egg, and that's the way it started. And that stopped the old question. Lots of people give these little theories and things like that. He said, there's really nothing to it. Now, I just threw that in for a bonus here because I thought I'd settle that for, forever and ever, uh, just so that you had the, uh, the, real, the real answer there. <laughs> God is good to us, isn't he? Now, now let's come back to this for a moment here. Now, I, I just want to say this about the, the, the telescope and the images that are out there. I personally, I think they're fascinating. I, I've got myself a telescope. Uh, that uh, that has allowed me to look out there and see things. That, that, and it's, it, it really is fascinating. It's really amazing. It's amazing how that God created that system back in the beginning. And Brother Branham described it like God took his finger and put this here and put that here, put this over here, put this over here. And he said it runs today just as perfectly so that there's no human timepiece that's able to, uh, rotate as perfectly as the heavens and the earth do. Nothing is as perfect as the universe that God set in motion. It, it's, it's absolutely amazing. Now, there's some uh, statements on the back here, too, where Brother Branham uh, describes, and he says that, uh, you know, in the beginning God created, and he said that could have been millions of years. He said, we really don't know. We just know that God created the earth. And he said how he did it and how long it took. He said, really? He said, God never told us that. He said, we're just thankful that God allowed us to live on this earth for a little while. <clears throat> so I don't want you to think that those, those images are evil or anything else and what they're discovering is evil. Some of their conclusions about what they're saying are a little bit different uh, than Bible. But I will tell you that the images themselves are fascinating because they are uh, there are formations and light that come from so far away, and it's amazing that they're able to bring it right up close. Now, there's more we'll say about that a little bit later on, but, uh, you know, I, I think that, uh, you know, it is just, it is, to me, it is, it is a display of God's handiwork. And I think whenever you see a display of God's handiwork, it's a fascinating thing. Now, all right, let's turn our thoughts back again now to this idea of the earth and the new earth that's coming here and, and the transition between the two. Now, in this, in this particular statement here in the end time, Brother Bam talks about uh, the atomic bomb uh, issues that existed back in the early 60s there. And, uh, of course, uh, you know, this was an age of the, the built in the Cold War when they were building up armaments to, uh, to deter one another. And uh, he said that uh, in the second paragraph, I heard on the radio that the biggest part of scientists give the world 10 years to total annihilation. Well, that would be 1974. How many of you are glad it all didn't end in 1974? A lot of you weren't even born in 1974. And he said, that's not scripturally speaking, that's scientifically speaking. So again, there's things that people in the world can observe and are almost right. And there's some good things that they observe and there's some good things that they get right. But I'm glad we've got an absolute that brings us back to the absolute truth. I think as we go along, you'll appreciate more and more how God has provided an absolute for us. And I'm so thankful for it because we can always come back to that. We can always come back to the absolute. Somebody say amen. We can always come back to the absolute. And always come back to the words of God and uh, find out what he said. And then he says, God's kingdom is not of this earth. God's kingdom is, say it with me, in our hearts. Say it again. Look at the board here. God's kingdom is in our, he said, God's kingdom is not of this earth. God's kingdom is 
in our hearts. It's a spiritual kingdom that we're born into it. And Jesus said the kingdom of God comes within you, but not without violence. And the kingdom of God is within you. The whole, this is what I love. The Holy Spirit, God's kingdom, moving in the man and governing and controlling him, that's the kingdom. That's Christ alive again on the earth when he's actually in you and moving you uh, in a world that's falling apart. It doesn't matter. He's governing and controlling. And we find out these nations go about, you know, destroying one another and so forth. But you know what? God's got the remote and he's guiding and controlling his bride on the earth in the last days and through every age until we finally leave this earth. Do you believe that? And he said, there's the kingdom of God. There's an example of the kingdom of God. So when you see, uh, you know, some of these young people who are uh, stepping out and coming to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and, uh, you know, not because anybody else is, but they just feel that stirring in their heart. They, they want to be right. They want to do right. They want to get right with God uh, because something is telling them that's the right thing to do. Let me tell you, that's the kingdom of God on display. When you see people forgive one another and love one another and turn the other cheek and go the extra mile, that's the kingdom of God on display. When you write out your tithe check and put it in the offering, that's the kingdom of God on display. Do you believe that? Now remember this. Now when Brother Bram says remember this, I think we should take a look at it at least. Everybody all right with that? Because he tells us in the church age book, remember this. Christ in the true church is a continuation of the book of Acts. It would have to be. But the book of Revelation shows that the Antichrist spirit would come into the church and defile it, making it lukewarm, formal, and powerless. That's what Satan would do. And it exposes Satan. The book of Revelation does. It exposes Satan. It reveals his works, which is the attempted destruction of God's people and the discrediting of God's word. That's what Satan's works are, is to destroy God's people and discredit God's word. That's what he tries to do. Right down to the time that he is cast into the lake of fire. But he fights that. He knows that if the people get the true revelation of the true church and what she is, and what she stands for, and that she can do the greater work, she will be an invincible army. Say that with me. An invincible army. If they get a true revelation of the two spirits within the framework of the Christian church and discern and withstand that Antichrist spirit, Satan will be powerless before her. Now look, that's way too important just to skip over. Here's that last paragraph again. I'm going to read it again. He knows, Satan knows, that if the people get the true revelation of the true church and what she is, what is the true church of the living God but the bride of Christ? Actually, his wife. And what she stands for, and that she can do the greater works, she will be an invincible army. Somehow or another, Satan must know that if the church gets a revelation of who she really is, you know what? He's sunk, because she will be called an invincible army. She will be one who's undefeatable. If you have an invincible army, you could send them into any battle and not worry. Isn't that right? If you have an invincible army, you could send them into any battle, and they're not going to lose. They're going to win, because they're invincible. And Satan knows that if, if the bride gets a handle on that real revelation of who we are, then he's sunk. So he tries to discredit God's word. He tries to bring uh, disunity. He tries to bring commotion. He pr- tries to bring worry. He tries to bring disease. He tries to bring uh, pestilence. Whatever thing he can 
to cause somebody to doubt God's word. Whatever he can do to bring disunity, whatever he can do to bring discord, whatever he can do at all uh, to separate the, the people of God, all of a sudden now they don't have unity, then they would not be an invincible army. It's when we come together with the revelation of who we are. It's when we come together under Christ. He said that's when we become an invincible army. And if they get a true revelation of two spirits within the framework of the Christian church and discern and withstand that Antichrist spirit, Satan will be powerless before her. God has given us, thank God, he's given us an ability to discern what it is that comes from God and what doesn't come from God. And when you can figure out what comes from God and what doesn't come from God, even if it's something you don't want to hear, but if it comes from God, you ought to say amen to it and say, Lord, help me to overcome the flesh part and to embrace that and believe that and apply that in my life. Because unless I do that, I'm not going to be a part of this invincible army. I don't want to hang on to my own opinion to my own destruction. I don't want to debate God's truth with my truth. I want to believe in His truth. And that's what, that's what He's actually saying here. That the goal is that we become an invincible army. We become an invincible army by revelation. And Satan does everything he can to discredit God's word. So our job is to discern and withstand the Antichrist spirit, and then Satan becomes powerless. He becomes less of a foe as we go along. That's a great statement. That's one that's worth mentioning. Stay with me now as we uh, pro- roll, as we wade into this. Men and women, he says, what we need today is not our names on a church book, which is perfectly all right, but we need that powerful weapon of the Holy Spirit in our hearts, which changes our innermost being and makes us new creatures in Christ and fights the way through the sinful world by the righteousness and power of the resurrection of Christ. That's what we need. Ha! You know what? I think we need to read that again. What we need today is not our names on a church book. It's not necessary that you belong to a certain church or a certain place here. But he's saying that we need to have that powerful weapon of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. By the way, if you have the Holy Spirit, it's going to lead you to a church. It's not going to lead you to a tape player. It's going to lead you to a church. It's not going to lead you to stay home. It's going to lead you to a church. It's not going to lead you to a new church every week. Should I not have said that? I just did. That powerful weapon of the Holy Spirit in our hearts, which changes our innermost beings, the real Holy Spirit will bring substantive change. It'll bring change. Since we're on the... I was talking to some leaders of a camp recently, and they were telling me something that I found disheartening, and that was this. Is that in these meetings, and the leaders of this camp, this is in the message now, the leaders of this camp were troubled because they said in the meetings, the meetings were raw, raw. And people were very enthusiastic and exuberant. And at the end of the day, at the end of the day, the kids who were in the services all excited, they were the ones who were doing inappropriate things with girls. And they were doing things like using foul language against the counselors. They were the ones who were out and crossing the borders of what the camp had laid down. And the leaders were scratching their head and saying, if we can have this, why doesn't that bring change? Now, hey, we're not here to debate that, and there's a lot of other things we could say about it. But I would say this. There's no point 
in just having religious gatherings if it doesn't bring change into our lives. The Holy Spirit wants to change you into something. He doesn't just want to entertain you. He just doesn't want you to attend a camp because all your buddies are attending a camp. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with camps, not at all. I think it's a unique opportunity for the Holy Spirit to speak in a way that he normally would not in a church. And, uh, you know, there's certainly benefits to doing that. But if, if it's just something that makes us feel like we got it because we're excited, but it doesn't bring change in our lives and the ability to overcome, we need to go back to square one. He says something very important here. The powerful weapon of the Holy Spirit in our hearts, which changes our innermost being. That's a really important thing. Makes us new creatures in Christ and fights the way through the sinful world by righteousness and power of the resurrection of Christ. That's what we need. So in other words, we need kids who really get it so they can really withstand and overcome. We need young people and young married couples who really get it so that they can overcome. We need old folks that really got it so they can overcome. We all need to get this so that we can overcome. That's what the church needs. Not a facelift or a bunch of new members, but revive that what we've got, fill with the Holy Ghost to set out to fight the enemy, pray for the sick, heal the, heal the sick, cast out devils. Christ put into the hand of man the strongest weapon ever put to human beings, which is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. A new heart, a new spirit. Then fight with what's in you until death shall set you free. I th- you know what I, miss, I, I left out in this quote? The two asterisks that go in front of the the. Okay, now will move on. So therefore, it's important for us to remember, and let's just, just review this one image here. The ages and the seals <clears throat> happen differently. The church ages are specific events with a specific time frame, seven messengers with a unique message. Seven seals contain information. They contain our understanding. They reveal something that's been hidden. So in other words, God said something, but it's behind the veil. We can't see it. We know it's there somehow. There's an understanding somehow, but we couldn't see it until the veil was pulled back. Okay? And this is what, uh, this is what the seals really are about. Now, watch this, because Brother Branham says some really important things here. In the breach... Which is, remember now, it's not the seals, but it's not the church ages, it's in between. Just like we can say, I think pretty fairly, that we're not living in the church age per se, but we're not in the millennium either, we're not in the wedding supper, we're in between the two. Brother Branham said it like this, you're somewhere between earth and glory. You're somewhere between. So therefore, he said, it is a book, a mysterious book, a book of redemption, stop. Whenever, whenever you see that kind of a, a phrase there, it says, it implies something to us. That there are people who are outside who are looking at the book like they always did and still wondering what it means. We'll call them outsiders. But now we know there's a group called insiders 
who really know what that book's about. Are we okay? By God's grace, you become an insider by revelation. So there's outsiders, people, it's a mysterious book. It always has been a mysterious book since John wrote it, right? John wrote it, he, he committed it, you know, and it wound its way into the New Testament there. People probed at it for 2,000 years, never really understood, even good people, and, and wondered what it all meant. But then there come an age where God said, come on in and take a look. Let me show you behind the veil what this actually means and what those seals represent, what the white horse rider means. And let me tell you, when you put together all the pieces of what the mysterious book is really about, you're don't, you don't have an ordinary understanding like uh, the rest of the people in the world. And that doesn't mean that you should stick your chest out. It just means that by God's grace, I see what I see. By God's grace, I know what I know. Is that all right? That's the way we should look at it. And he says, we know this book of redemption will not be thoroughly understood It's probed at through six church ages, but at the end, when the seventh angel begins to sound the mystery, he winds up all these loose ends that's been probed at, and the mysteries come down from God as the word of God and reveals the entire revelation of God. I didn't say that. He said that. He says that in the breach here, that in this last day, when that seventh angel begins to sound his mystery, do you believe that's happened? That was Brother Branham, right? Revelation 10.1 was Christ. Are we okay? Revelation 10.7 to 7 angel, that was Brother Branham, right? He gives us a time frame here, the time stamp. When he begins to sound his mystery, he winds up, he winds up all the loose ends that these fellows probed at, and the mysteries come down from God as the Word of God. It's not a new book. I got a phone call today. Some really strange name showed up on my phone. And uh, usually if it's a spam, it'll say so-and-so possible spam, right? I never respond to those. But this name was so unique. I thought, I'm going to call it back. So I hit redial, and it went back to this number. And uh, I said, "Uh, this is Barry. Uh, Who is this? And he said, oh, I'm sorry. I missed you. He said, uh, we, we've just been calling around in the area here, and uh, he says, we have some things that we'd like to share with you. He says, we have a book about uh, Jehovah in the last day, Jehovah Witness. <laughs> Snared. Caught. As I always do, and my boys were famous at this whenever the Jehovah Witness showed up at our door, they always just said, wait a minute. Dad, come on and talk to these Jehovah Witnesses. So I would go out and talk to the Jehovah Witness. And I'd always say to them, give me your Bible and let me show it. I go to Philippians 1 and 17. And I, I believe that's the, the reference there, Philippians 1 17, where it says that at, uh, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is. Well, they, ha- they don't believe in the Lord. They believe that that would be translated into Jehovah. Okay, so in the in the Mormon in the in the Jehovah Witness Bible, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Jehovah. Uh huh. So I know that's there in their Bible. I always ask. I always take their Bible. I always open it up to that, give it to them to read, and I say, read that passage out to me. And they they don't want to they don't want to do it. And I said, you don't want to do it because it contradicts your basic understanding that there's two in the Godhead, Jehovah and Jesus. 
And I said, but this passage in Scripture is the only one in your Bible that says that Jesus was Jehovah. I said, how do you reconcile that? And then they say, we don't have to answer that. And I said, well, I don't have to take your books then. And it always ends right there. And they never come back. Because I always tell them, and this is the truth, I always tell them because I work with a guy who's Jehovah Witness, and I talked a long time, and I understand what, what they believe, basically. And I always tell them, if you will take what my book, and I've got lots of books, if you'll take mine, I'll take yours. And I will read yours if you promise you'll read mine. No, can't do it. Can't do it. And they won't do it. All right. Where were we? Every one of them probed at it, and the mysteries come down from God as the Word of God and reveals the entire revelation of God. The entire revelation of God includes a lot of things. Can we say safely it includes everything? And if it includes everything, it would have to include the bride. Therefore, it includes me. So somehow or another, I'm connected to, I have representation in this opening of the book in the last day. Then the Godhead and everything else is settled. All the mysteries. All the mysteries. He's not saying most of the mysteries. He's not saying, uh, you know, uh, almost everything. He's saying definitive words here. It reveals the entire revelation, the Godhead and everything else. All the mysteries. It's all settled in this, in this season when this last age messenger comes. So the book of Revelation follows an unusual path. It is, uh, it is numerically incredible. Uh, how the numerology works here in, the, in the, uh, the entire book of Revelation. The word Messiah is mentioned seven times. John announces Messiah coming seven times. One who sits on the throne seven times. Prophets are referred to seven different times. Lord God or Lord God of hosts is mentioned seven times. I mean, there's, and then you can go on into all the variations of seven that are there. It's an incredible book, the way that it's written there. We know that, watch this, in the stature of a perfect man, Brother Branham says, the faith holds... The key, and the key is Scripture, and Christ is the door. So faith takes the little hinges of Scripture and unlocks the glories and the good of God out to the people. When when the glory of God is opened up, it's not opened up just to view like in a museum. When the glory of God is opened in the last day with the hand of faith, you know what? The goodness of God comes to the people. Hello, you're the people that God opened this book for. You're the people that God unlocked all those secrets for. It's faith holds the key that unlocks Christ to the people. The opening of this book unlocked Christ to you so that you would know not only who he is, but you'd know who you are as well. And you'd know who the Antichrist is. And you'd know who all the other mysteries are because that's what we just read. That in the seventh angel's message in that time of ministry, then all of that, sorry, all of that is released in that last day. All of it is made known in the last day. And faith holds that key that unlocks Christ to the people. And let me tell you, when Christ came down and had that book open in his hand, what did he do? He didn't give it to every, every one of us individually. He gave it to a prophet because the word of the Lord comes to a prophet. And the prophet gave it to us. And we're still enjoying the glories of God and the goodness of God. God actually unlocked the view of himself to you and I. He actually unlocked or made available the view of himself to us and the goodness of all that he is to us and the power and the virtue and everything else that he was 
He reveals or releases to us by faith. It's faith that holds the key that unlocks Christ to the people and reveals it to the people. All of that becomes available to the people of God. <clears throat> Brother Branham says, in the, and he says now, this is the seven seals. Sorry, he's, he's preaching on the breach here, and he says this is not the seven seals, and this is the breach between the two. Stay with me. There's also a fourth chapter of Revelation, and in, that kind, in, and in that it kind of reveals something that would take place after the church goes up. The church goes up in the third of Revelation after the church ages there. It doesn't return until the 19th. In other words, it's described differently after the church ages are over. And he says, therefore, this is true, therefore, the church misses the tribulation. So as he's describing the, un- the opening of the book, as he's describing all of these things that are taking place, he wants us always to know by the Scripture where we are. He always wants us to understand where we are in this whole process of horse riders and thunders and vials and judgments and Israel and the dragon and all the other symbols there. But he's wanting us to make sure. And remember, the bride misses the tribulation. So as, as the book describes the tribulation, it's, it's a fact. You're not there. You're not there at all. God has made a way of escape for us to leave this earth so that we're not caught up in that cycle of tribulation. We come right up to it, but we're not in it because God, by His grace, made a way of escape for us to get out of there before it all winds up. To me, the glorious thing is that all of this is unlocked. It's released to us in this opening of the book. What a blessed people we are. Let's stand to our feet. Let's stop there. Let's have our musicians come. <clears throat> there, are, there are just many wonderful things like this that we want to look at in the opening of the seals. If you have not done it, I would suggest and encourage you strongly to take the, uh, take the, the breach and read that through. It's a wonderful sermon in itself, but it helps to tie two things together. And uh, that is the end of the church ages as he describes it and in the uh, seals, the opening of the seals and the open book. So there's many of those things that are in here that are rich for us. Aren't you glad you're a part of that bride that's, that's a part of that revelation of the last day. He says, all the mysteries are revealed. Everything is revealed. It's, it comes out. We may not have the full understanding of it as we're standing here tonight, but you watch. You let, he says, you just continue to walk in the light, and the word will unfold and reveal itself. It'll just keep unfolding and revealing itself. You say, well, you know, brother, I, I just need my husband to love me more, or I need my kids to learn how to clean up their room. Hey, we'll get to that. That's all a part of it. But I will tell you this, that... <clears throat> That change happens in his presence. And I don't think there's anything that God delights in more is when people will take by faith what he has said and believe it with all their heart and testify the same. That brings his presence. And his presence brings change. Brother Bram said the greatest thing that we could have, he said, is that uh, life of the Holy Spirit inside of us and then expressing itself. One thing is for sure. All seeds in the right environment will express themselves. And the second thing true is that all expressions are not the same. Right? Corn seeds manifest one way. Watermelons another way. Canadians manifest one way. Americans manifest another way. Spanish people manifest another way. Right? Pakistanis manifest themselves another way. It doesn't make anyone less bright because we all started out as seed. That's what's important. We all started out as seed. All seeds in the right environment express themselves. But all expressions are not the same. Hang on to that. 
we're going we're gonna to use that. If we start by seed, every seed in the right environment expresses itself. But all expressions are not identical. But as long as they started from the right seed, you're okay. Even if people don't understand you, you're okay if you started from the right seed. Is that right? Oh, my. You think, you know, after 38, 39 years of ministry, you think you would have, you know, just about said it all. And then I realized coming to church tonight, I wish we had two hours instead of one. But I know what you're going to say. <laughs> That's all right, Brother Barry. He's always Sunday coming. Let's sing this little chorus. Think about his love. Think about his goodness. Put it in the key of F there. Let's sing it tonight. Let's just worship him before we go. Think about his love. And think about his goodness. Think about his grace. That's brought us through. For as high as the heavens above Above Yes, great is the measure of Of our Father's love Sing it again now Just think about His love Think about His grace. For as high as the heavens above, Father's love, yes, great is the man. Of our Father's love, it's Jesus I really want to see. It's Jesus I really want to. more I see of this world, the less it means to me, for it's Jesus that I really want to see. Sing it again now. Yes, it's Jesus. That I really want to see. It's Jesus I really want to see. And the more I see of this world. The less it means to me, for it's Jesus 
I keep falling in love with him over and over and over and over again. Yes, I keep falling in love with him over and over and over and over again. It just gets sweeter and sweeter as the days go by. Oh, what a love between my Lord and I. It keeps falling in love with Him over and over and over and over again. Once again, I keep falling in love with Him over and over and over and over again. Yes, I keep falling in love with Him over and over and over and over again it just gets sweeter and sweeter as the days go by oh what a love between my lord and i over and over again Heavenly Father, the more we understand of your word, the more beautiful it becomes. The more we read it, the more we see things we never saw before. And Lord, that's probably just because we know you better. And now in the name of Jesus Christ, I commit the people, Lord, in your hands. There are many tonight that are listening by the way of the streaming, Lord. And even though we can't see them, they're just behind that veil. Lord, I pray that you would reach out to them now as only you can, the omnipresent Holy Spirit, heal their sicknesses, bless them abundantly, Lord, as though they were here. And Father, we'll commit them and their need into your hands now tonight. Guide us through the balance of this week, Lord. And may whatever we do, whatever we set our hand to do, may it be the perfect will of God, because we want nothing less. We are depending on you, and we trust you, Lord, for each new day. Father, have your way among us. Speak to us. Bless this assembly, Lord, and move us, I pray, closer to the tree of life. And we'll give you thanks and praise in the glorious and wonderful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. And amen. God bless you tonight. Thank you for coming and being here. And Whedon's, God bless you. We won't see you again in service for now, but have a safe journey. And God bless you. And great to have you with us. May God bless all of you, and we'll see you on the weekend. Jesus, we're depending on you. Jesus, we're depending on you. Jesus, we're depending on you. Depending on you to see us through. Jesus, we're depending on you, Jesus. We're depending on you, Jesus. We're depending to see us through. Oh, now, Jesus, we're depending on you. Oh, now, Jesus, we're depending on you. Oh, Jesus, 
We're depending on you. We're depending on you to see us through. Oh, Jesus, we're depending on you. Oh, Jesus, we're depending on you. Oh, now, Jesus, we're depending on you. We're depending on you to see us through. Oh, Jesus, we're depending on you. Oh, Jesus, we're depending on you. Oh, Jesus, we're depending on you. Oh, we're depending on you to see us through.